Welcome to the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley, continuing on with our in-depth team previews for the 2018 NRL season. And I've got Billy here as always. How are you doing today, Billy? Yeah, good boss. Yourself? Yeah, real good. I'm actually pretty excited to talk about a few teams tonight. Only a few more days left, mate. TLT. Yeah, I know. It's getting exciting. I've... Uh, it was a little bit slow on the um, getting into the footy around December when it sort of started to get talked about and stuff. And then this last month, I've been hanging for it. I can't wait. I've been making plans to watch the games in like a week and a half and everything. Like, can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But um, yeah, I think both of our seasons are looking pretty positive at this point as well because they haven't started yet. You've been an Eels fan and me being a Roosters fan. I think we're both looking pretty much forward to the season. I'd be looking forward to it more if I was a Trook fan, mate. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but thank you. All right, let's um, get stuck into it. So we're going to start off by having a chat about the Warriors today. So very quickly, we'll run through some of their major gains and losses. Gains-wise, had a few big ones. Adam Blair came over from the Broncos. Gerard Beal from the Sharks. Other than that, Blake Green from the Sea Eagles was a pretty big one to cement their halves. And Tohu Harris from the Storm, arguably their biggest signing. Peter Hiku from the Panthers is an interesting one. As is Ignatius Parsi from the Gold Coast Titans, along with his teammate from there, Lavaha Pulu. So other than that, wasn't any other uh, gains, but I mean, they gained quite a few, at least top 17 type players. As far as that, who they lost though, didn't really lose too many. Charlie Gubb. The People's Champ, he's uh, gone over to the Canberra Raiders. Ryan Hoffman went back to the Storm. Jacob Lilliman's finally moved on and gone to the Knights. And Ben Matalino over to the Tigers. Bodine Thompson was a big one over to the Super League. And Manu Vadavai's finally retired. Oh, no, he hasn't. He's actually gone over to Southford. Looks like he got a superannuation retirement fund to finish up on. So most of those guys that they lost, they um, they were either fringe first graders really or at the end of their careers and stuff or just not getting minutes there like a Madalino. So um, they seem to kind of gain more than what they lost as far as guys like Tohu especially. So why don't we kick off talking about Mr. Harris. So let's have a look at some of Tohu's stats from last year. I did not own him at all last year and I really wasn't into him. I tend to um, put Tohu in one of those baskets of guys who I know that they're good, but every time I seem to own them, I get them at exactly the wrong time, and they're just really, really average for me. So he's kind of burnt me a little bit before. But last year, Tohu actually had his, his worst average for uh, a few years. So 58 points per game in 2017, 67 the year before, 61 in 2015. So... Pretty significantly down, nine points a game down between 16 and 17 seasons. His minutes were down slightly, but that was more because of uh, injuries and things that happened during the year, I think. And that's the big kicker when you're looking at the stats. In 2017, Tohu only managed 11 games. And that could be a big reason why he only averaged 58 points. Um, He seemed to have a few things going wrong. He is available for just a shade over $517,000. The biggest con of getting Tohu this year for me is he is second row forward only. So he's no longer one of those center wing guns that you could throw in there 
and play it forward there for some solid base stats. He's going to be a second rower only. And as uh, we've spoken about around the traps, I think Billy agrees with me that Warriors don't have the greatest draw. It's a little bit mixed. So how do you see Tohu Harris for both the 2018 season, Billy, and is he one of the guys that you normally like to have? I haven't had him for a few years, I don't think. Maybe not until the end of the season, sort of when you chuck him in a centre three-quarter position, but always grabbed him too late. One of the things that's interesting about him is that, um, well, apart from going, most most people go to the Warriors to die. However, just if you look at his numbers, like you said before, he was injury riddled last year. If you count his 80-minute games only, the guy, although he seemed pretty quiet last year, he actually averaged 76.3 off six, seven, 80-minute games yep. with a one, one one included a monstrous sort of a 129 against Canberra at the end, at the end of the year. So it depends which side of the field he's playing on, I suppose. But since he had some injury scores in there, he's priced at a 58. You know he's not going to score anything less than a 58. So he could quite conceivably be a, a sneaky selection in there. The fact that he's not available at the centre of three quarter is probably going to throw a fair few people off. The thing that kind of puts him in the mix maybe is the fact that Sean Johnson always starts the year really well. Like he's had a, um, uh, I think a 147 and a 97 versus the Gold Coast uh, in the last couple of years. And I think they play them round two, I think. Yep, that's right. Round round, round, round two at home. So you could quite conceivably get a a game where Tohu goes large there sitting off SJ's hit. So he's a price to the 58 kind of sneaky guy that you could get in early. He's I'm also Yeah, I don't want to do it either. But I mean I think you, you mentioned um running off SJ and if he's on that side and that's one of the things that I think a few people are waiting for TLT for. He's I mean he should be on that side, but he said himself in some interviews and stuff that he actually trained both sides. And so there was a you know, whether he was left or right seems a little bit of a mystery at the moment. So he may very well not even be on, on SJ's side. And I guess the other thing with that as well, for me, I don't think that he's going to go in and just uh, you know, start playing that well straight off SJ straight away. I think they'll take a bit of time to learn each other and stuff. So I'm not sure how quickly you'll ramp up for a round one purchase. And I guess that's one of the things in the back of my mind. But you, you also mentioned that that's where players go to die, the New Zealand Warriors. It's certainly been the case with some of their other guys that they've gotten over the years. I mean, RTS just went off a cliff and... It just it just seems to happen too often, and it it seems to happen more often with guys who are New Zealanders going back home and then playing for the Warriors. I don't know whether it's because they get comfortable, whether they have more of their mates and family around and stuff, or whether it's how the Warriors run that club or whatever, but it, it's definitely a concern, and as is the Warriors as a club for me. So I try to separate the fantasy stuff with the real-life stuff most of the time. But I think sometimes it definitely intertwines. And for me, it intertwines with the Warriors. I'm real concerned that they're a wooden spoon contender myself. Um, I don't think they're going to have a good year at all. Well, I don't think they'll get the spoon, but I can't see them sort of top five or six, put it that way. The other thing you just got to chuck out there is the fact that they're playing in Perth the first game. So it'll be stinking hot. It'll be, what, an eight or nine-hour flight for them. It's not like they're going to fly in the morning of the game. So it'll be, they'll be well-rested, but... 
A, Kiwis generally don't play well away from, away from home. This is a long way from home in, in the heat that they're not used to. So yep. maybe, maybe South give them, a, give them a bit of a run for their money. But the other thing you've got to mention is, um, so his first uh, five games last year, he averaged 66 without a try. So he does have a high base in, in, in there. But hold on, I'll just notice that that's from round 10. Uh, maybe I've screwed was was he injured earlier in the year, or do I do I just completely screw? No, I think he was injured earlier in the year, but I can't remember him actually last year how he started myself. But I know that years prior he has had some pretty good starts. So yeah, yeah round ten that was. Sorry, yeah. Well, he, he he started round ten, but his first five games last year he averaged sixty six. Maybe, maybe the rest, maybe his halves were in the form, and the rest of the team were fit, and they kind of carried him a bit. Um, mm. that, 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 that that wasn't any sort of attacking stuff there. So, yeah, he's definitely been able to work a bit before. Yeah, price of the fifty-eight, you you wouldn't begrudge anyone going for him. He's, he's definitely a sneaky, especially with that round two factor Gold Coast um, at home. That could be a very high scoring game for him. Yeah, I mean, I I was looking at that, you know, and it's a, it is a really good point. But then I sort of sat back and said to myself, "Hang on, Barnsley, you can't just buy a guy." To play the Gold Coast in round two when you're buying a guy to start with for the season, that's um, getting a bit ahead of yourself. And I found myself doing it to be honest. Like I was looking at Warriors a bit more, going, I really want them for that round two clash because I reckon they could score a lot of points. And you know, I had to sort of pull myself back because. And then when I did, I looked at the rest of the draw, and that first month really turned me off. Hey, I took the Titans out of it. Round two's the Titans, but the other three games are all away. One being in Perth. One being in Canberra against Canberra, which isn't too terrible, I guess. But the round four one being at Sydney against the Roosters. And then, okay, I saw them go three home games in a row. And I went, okay, maybe it's not that bad. They're three home games in a row for round five, six, and seven against the Cowboys, the Broncos, and the Dragons. And then they go away to play the Storm. So to me, that first... um, And when I'm looking at the draw... For me, Billy, that first two months is the most important thing that I'm looking at personally. Um, that's kind of my first part that I'm looking at. And that first two months for them really isn't good. I don't, I don't like it much at all. So aside from that Gold Coast game, that's, a, that's quite a worry for me. Have you looked into their draw much? How do you feel about it? Well, they've, what they've got, they, they're away in Perth versus South, then they're home versus the Titans, and looked as far as round three where they've got the Raiders away which uh, anything can happen there. But at least Canberra is going to be generally sort of a, a colder climate, kind of like back home. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it suits suits them. But it's not exactly the easiest run in the world. It's not the hardest run in the world either. But generally, if you're going to get anyone from the Warriors, I, I, would, I would generally just go A, S, J, for each captain. B, C, or C type option. But even he's coming back from, from an injury. Or um, B... You chuck Mannering in there, but either he's playing on edge or C. You go, you look for value. And last year it was kind of RTS, which didn't come to fruition. But this year it might be that right edge, like a pull or whoever it passes or whoever it is that gets that spot. But yeah, for me this year I'm not really touching any worries at all. I don't think. But um, it's not for lack of lack of trying or lack lack of wanting. I really want someone for that second game. But like you said, there's no point buying one player just for one game. It's a long season, mate. Yeah, that's right, and I'm so I'm going to be saying 100%. I'm steering completely clear of Tohu Harris, and I'll throw up my top five points as to why I'm steering clear. One, he's going back home as a New Zealander to the Warriors. We've established that's not good for players. Two, he's going away from 
the successful Melbourne Storm system, which is what's made him the player that he is. Three, whilst he's going with a good halves partner in SJ, he could very well end up on Blake Green's side. And the halves partner that he did have, I mean, he was um, tearing it up, running off those Storm guys and even like Goff Cameron Smith and stuff. So it's just different class level. Number four, I would only have been interested really if he was a centre wing and the fact that he isn't takes his value away a lot. And lastly, and probably the biggest thing for me, he is in the second row forward spot in a year where there is massive value in the second row forward spot. There is like 20 guys that I love in second row forward, all between that 480 to 650k mark that are all gold. So to me, you know, he could be, he could, Tohu could very well be good, but I doubt he's going to be better than six, seven other guys that you could put in there for similar price. Yeah, look, if you're going to get um, a warrior or a highly volatile warrior or someone that's going to really, really get when you're head to head or punch out the charts, I reckon a good strategy there might just to pick, be to pick him up around. Um, what's the round nines? Ryan nines the Tigers. So that was what I initially looked at. But they don't play the first buy for for round yeah, thirteen no, either. Mean, so what, what's the actual what's the actual buy round? Second buy round is it eighteen or seventeen? Ah, uh, that's that's round seventeen, and they play Penrith then. Yep. Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, you can probably pick them up then. They've got they have the Broncos the next week and the Storm the week after. But from round twenty, they've got um they've got Titans and then they've got St George. Then they've got the Knights. Then they've got the Dogs, and then the Panthers in the last round. Sorry, so Panthers. Panthers, Raiders, so with two home games right at the end. So strategy-wise, probably really uh, a warrior like um, um, Tohu Mannering, if, if he's um, performing pretty well. Actually, actually, Manning, Manning is performing is probably at any time type of pickup. But a Tohu and a, a Johnson type pickup, you can probably pick him up just for that last buy run, ex- exit out the buys and 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 VCSC. So vice captain or captain on, on that run home, starting with those um, that um, Gold Coast and Doggies game, I think. Yeah, that's good advice, and I think it's fair, and I can't begrudge anyone for doing that. I'm going to make an outlandish statement here and say Tohu won't be in my team all year, and I reckon that's going to be the case. So we'll move on based on that big statement by me and talk about the old warhorse Simon Mannering. He's a genuine gun. Mannering's numbers, where to start? 74 points per game in 2017. And I actually thought that he might have not been able to get to the 67 average he had from the year before, so he proved me wrong massively. 2015, he had 69 points, so for three years in a row, he's been between 67 and 74 points a game, and he has just soldiered on. Unfortunately, what that success means is he's priced more expensive than he probably ever has been, $660,000 to start with Simon Mannering, and that is the key for me. I think Simon Mannering is great. He is 31 years old, though. He might be playing on an edge instead of in the middle, which is a bit of a concern, particularly for his style of football, where he gets through a lot of work, particularly tackling. And then the fact that he's priced at a 74 and 660000 to start. I mean, you could actually get Gallon instead of him for about the same price. So it just just doesn't make any sense to me for, for anyone to have him... For uh, I, I shouldn't say for anyone to have him for round one. It does make sense. He is a proven gun. He went to 74 points a game. I just like the other options a lot better. So I'm going to be steering clear of Manners for round one at least. What about yourself? Has he been in your side at any point before the season started? 
No, he hasn't been in any of my drafts this year, purely because of all the reasons that, that you just pointed out. He was in my team last year, and I really loved my uh, second row last year, um, as well as my props had a, a great start. I mean, picking picking um, him and DeBellin and Vaughan and Gutterson, but um, obviously Brom pulled me back a little bit. So it, it, you just got to; these are the types of blokes you just got to pick the years where they're just slightly unders, or they or they have a good run, or you can see the offload starting at the end of the previous year, and they might be getting an extra five or six minutes but yeah like you said he's priced at his average he's not going to get uh, any more attacking stats than what he had last year so yeah and especially with that um well i didn't see the game but the trial game where they said that he kind of moved to an edge for part of the game or was running out of edge moving him away from the middle was not the greatest for super coach wise so for all those reasons that you mentioned and that sort of the one where he's potentially moving to the side. No, I'm just going to sort of stay away from him for a while and watch, mate. Yeah, I think we'll move on from Mannering real quick because he's um he's a bit of a boring player and how he gets his work done is <laughs> a bit of a boring one to talk about for Supercoach too. So let's yeah. let's agree that he's not a round one purchase, but he's certainly a watch as a former gun. So Sean Johnson is certainly a gun. 72 points in 2017. Which, you know, I actually thought that he wasn't as good in 2017 as a guy who owned him, and I was getting a bit frustrated at times. And he actually put in his best performance in the last four years. He's had uh, 72 in 17, but then in 2016, 69, 2015, 71, and 2014, he averaged 69. So he's actually been solid as a rock as far as his average goes. It hasn't deviated more than three points either way. So that's that's pretty impressive when you actually look at Sean Johnson's numbers on paper like that side by side. The other thing that's slightly concerning with his numbers though is he's starting to get a few injuries here and there. So 18 games in 2017. Played at the 24 in 2016, but then again the year before he had 18 games again. So that seems to starting to be creep up a little bit as well with the injuries popping up here and there. He is a dual halfback 5'8 though, which is handy. And he comes in at 641,000, which is... More than $100,000 more than Jonathan Thurston, to put a comparison in there. And that is one of the few reasons why I have opted for no Sean Johnson, because I've taken my JT pick instead and then used that extra hundred grand elsewhere, which I really enjoyed doing. So that's kind of why I don't have him. But Billy, your thoughts on Sean Johnson for your team? I reckon he's one of your big balls pod types that you could throw out there. I know you said he had um, played a few less games last year, but that wasn't until the end of the year. The same as the year before, he's pretty much played two-thirds of the season straight out. He always starts uh, really well. Last year, he started with 117 versus the Knights and then 114, sorry, 147 in round five versus the Gold Coast, who they play second. We just mentioned that before. So yep. the year before, he started off with that... Um, uh, 97. Then round five and six, he had 86 and a 95. And then round seven, he had a 87. So he's um, got some firepower to kick off. He's lost that um, rocks and diamonds tag that he had as early as three or four years ago. The only concern for me would be a how how good is his groin or his calf or whatever it was that got got injured and will it really be kicking consistently or is Luke going to take some of that and um, 
I was going to say B. I don't actually have a B. <laughs> I'm, just of not I'm, I'm just scared of not earning him, mate. Yeah, um, I'm getting pretty worried to be honest. He's um he's one of the guys threw a um a question out on one of the forums that we we're on and said, who's who's some of the players that you're most scared of not having in your team that you don't currently have, and I wasn't keen on SJ really much at all, and I haven't had him in my side. And I looked at it and went, geez, I'm actually pretty scared about not owning SJ because of that consistency and also I do see him as someone who could South Gold Coast Canberra even though I don't like their draw that first three weeks I could see him going really well and giving some good early points so it's definitely a worry if you don't have him yeah take that can well that consistency thing too I mean from round six until round 11 he averaged 46 so it's not exactly that consistent that did contain Storm and the Eels, but he, he scored low against pretty much everyone. Um, Canberra, Penrith, and St George. So yeah, but you know why that happened? Cowboy Storm, Cowboy Storm. Why is that? That's because I bought him round six. I think you broke him. But <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was. I, I just had this feeling in my gut. Geez, Sean Jones is not going too well. It's because when I got him in, he was rubbish. And then I had a few good games out of him, and then he hurt himself. So yeah, I, I just well, needed right. to start with him. It's around the same time that I got Norman, so I'm glad you suffered just as much as I did, mate. <laughs> All right. No worries. I think we can trade that one off and say we're pretty even. So, Sean Johnson, he looks really good. Anyone that's starting with him, certainly a good move. Only reason I'm not is because I want that extra hundred grand, and JT, I see, is an equivalent. So, um, But really big watch, though. If he does, for some reason, lose that goal-kicking to Isaac Luke, that's, gonna, that's really going to hurt him quite a bit. I think I was... I'm pretty sure, remembering the stats, that definitely SJ was in double figures in the amount of points he was getting per game from kicking. I got a feeling it was about 12 points a game. So if he were to lose goal kicking, that brings him down to about a 60 average, which really hurts quite a bit. So that's that's another concern aside from the extra 100 grand. And your roller coaster comment about how he can just be a roller coaster sometimes for short periods. That's my other final reason why I'm not starting with him. I'm banking on him having a few weeks there, whether it's at you know Roosters, Cows, Broncos run between round four and six where he's not going to go too well. And I've been able to pick SJ up every year now at a really low price compared to what he started at. So I'd rather play that game than, than pay top dollar. Yeah, he, scored, he had 180 points in goals and 24 neg- negative points in so 154 points over 19 games is what you'll is what you'll um, miss in goal kicking if he's not kicking. It's not like he's not going to kick at all, but yeah, if you if you fraction that off to what you think you might be missing, then yeah, even SJ missing goals, he's still going to be a gun if if he, if he does one of those 100, 100 120 point games against the Gold Coast. But I think you're kind of banking on him having that game, so. Yeah, look, for me, he's a sitting sit and watch and wait, especially because not too many people are having him with the conundrum that's in the halves. I think he'll, I think it's, he's probably actually a, a safe hold and wait off until the um, second buy round and pick him up for the run home, mate. Yep, agreed. All right, let's move on. And I don't really see SJ as a big balls pod because I, um, you know, he's been a really good gun for a number of years now. But as far as pods go, he's not going to be highly owned, so I get that. But this next guy... He's not just a pod, he is a big balls a big balls pod for sure. And that is my mate who absolutely scorned me and left the Sydney Roosters 
to go and play back in New Zealand, Roger Tuivasa Sheck. So I can't, well, I was going to say I can't believe the drop off in these numbers when I look at them, but I kind of can. He went from an up and coming guy in 2014 that I was really excited about at the Roosters, averaging 52 points with all the potential in the world. Into the 2015 season where he averaged a monstrous 77 points and was like a constant captaincy option and he was so great at that work rate. He could have games where he would not get any attacking stats and still bust out 70 points. It was amazing. Then 2016, obviously did his knee. Still played seven games, but only for a 54 average. I will say I can't discount those only seven games because he didn't look right in those seven games. He looked unfit. And I don't think he looked anywhere near the same player over in New Zealand. Then fast forward to 2017 where he had a full season with 23 games. He only averaged 60 still. And 60 is okay. It's not bad. It's borderline getting on gun. But he is available only at fullback. And as far as fullbacks go, uh, I don't even think he's going to be in the keeper conversation for the top, what, four fullbacks maybe. So when you've only got two spots there to fill, he's kind of on the outer as far as teams picking him. Priced at 533000 He enjoyed a really nice discount coming into last season because of his injury in 2016. So, yeah, I I can't see any way to do it. But I keep looking back at that 2015 season and just wondering to myself, Billy, is it just one of those things where it's going to take him a couple of years and then he'll be right? Because we did see a pretty fantastic player in 2015 and maybe he reverts back and maybe 60 average buying him for round one is actually value. Yeah, maybe, but do you really want to bank on that? Given it's not it's not exactly priced at 35 or 45, you've got Teddy that pretty much everyone's going to have in that position. He scored a try in every second game last year, and you've got Watson, Ponga, all those guys available there. And you look at a guy like Turbo, there's plenty of people around to go on that dual gun just because of his run. Look, he's, he's an option, but I just don't see the value with him. Yeah, I agree. But I, I will say... It- wouldn't surprise me if um, he starts off the season well um, after how he's gone before. So yeah, yeah, but he didn't he didn't show that last year. Like he's still chucking thirty five hit ups a game. He's still throwing a few tackle busts here and there. But I, I look at his numbers. I can't see. I can't actually see the numbers that are actually missing. I, I'd probably have to go back to two thousand fifteen and have a, a closer look. But he, he's he's got the tackle bust there. He's got he's got one. He's got one, maybe two offloads a game. He's got one line break a game, uh, a line break assist every sort of second game, 35 points in H8, H8s and uh, H8s or less. So he's, he's throwing numbers out there consistently across the different categories. He's throw, getting tries. He's having try assists. I don't know why he's not punching out anything above 65 it's, average. It's because of his work rate. That's what it is. His work rate dropped quite a lot. And he just wasn't doing it anymore. And he is to only owned by about 3% of teams at the moment, so he's certainly a pod. But, yeah, I think you've got big balls if you want to uh, back Roger Tuovazashek to be your number one fullback instead of Teddy or Turbo. And even as your number two fullback, I'd much rather uh, Kalen Ponga as another option there or even just going cheap there and spending elsewhere and starting Connor Watson. So there is too many options. Just for interest, you did average 70 in the second half of the season from round 13, so he's priced at a 60. That that included goal games against the Titans, Dogs, Manly, Newcastle, Canberra, Manly and Tigers again. So the, the top half of it, so the bottom half of the um, draw was definitely easier than the top half. 
maybe you look at his draw and go, oh, do you really think he'll get back to a, a 70 average off that? Um, they, they do have the Titans and the Raiders, so I don't know what they have after that. After that's some tough hard. games. After that's a tough one. So it's really that, that first maybe, well, really even just round two and three are the ones where he could bust up some good points and then he's going to go into a tough run. So, yeah, look. So maybe, so, so maybe he goes to a 65 and then regresses again and doesn't play the buy, the first buy. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a skip from there. yeah. There's too many there's too many nails in that coffin to try and resuscitate it. I think uh, RTS is dead for me for this year as well. So yep, let's go over to someone who's going to be a new addition to the back line, who represents a bit of value. So I'm going to look at him as maybe a bit of a mid range cow, and that is Peter Hiku, who's come over from the Penrith Panthers. So at the moment he's uh, looking like the um, starting center for the Warriors, and you know he's. The big thing with Hiku, really, when it comes down to it, his stats aren't really going to say a hell of a lot. It's about his price. He only comes in at 279000 and he's centre-wing fullback dual, which is really handy to have with the trades and the less DPPs throughout the year when you're trying to move guys around to get a trade happening. He um, comes in at a 31 average off 2017, where he only played nine games. The reason why I'm quite intrigued by Hiku isn't because I think he's a great player or because the Warriors are going to do any well, any good or you know get heaps of points. It's because before he's 31, he was 46, 49, and 49 average three years in a row. So you know, at minimum, you know, he looks like he's between 15 and 18 points below what he should be, and he hasn't been playing consistent football for the last two years. So he looks like the quintessential bargain by that you're going to be able to play when you need to play him like in that Gold Coast game and probably bench him even for a a rookie price guy for me when he's playing those harder games like the Roosters and the Cows and the Bronx and you can probably make a hundred grand out of him pretty quickly so I'm pretty interested he's actually in my side at the moment and again it's not because I think he's great it's just because if he hits mid 40s that's um that's some pretty nice cash that you could pocket off uh, Peter Hiku. So, Billy, have you got Peter Hiku at the moment? No, I don't, but it's just out of disgust every time I look at my team <laughs> and I see him and go, oh, Christ. <laughs> no, but um, it, it'll come down to the team this Tuesday and I'll, I'll see absolutely bugger all cheapest names and, and have to throw him in just like everyone else. So it, it'll be either him or a Kenner or that, that sort of type of bloke. And I would much rather a guy like Hiku who was actually averaging up... Uh, 2016's first four games, he scored a try in each, and he was averaging sort of 69 yep. up until round, round round four. He then sort of dropped off. He 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 really does need to go over over the line to have any any kind of decent average. Every single person listening to this pod is just going to go, dude. He's a centre three quarter winger. What do you expect? Of course, he needs to buddy score to be any good. That's why wingers actually get seventeen points for a try. So, <laughs> given given their draw, if he, if he slots something against um, any one of those first three games and pumps up his average a bit, gives you a, gives you a score or two sitting off uh, SJ maybe. Yeah, Bob's your uncle, mate. He might throw a couple of scores out there, make you a, a bit of coin. I can't see him making you too much coin, but he's probably a, a means to an end for five or six rounds, and then as soon as someone gets injured or a rookie shows up, you, you just you just you just knife the bloke in the back. You take your hundred k and run, and hopefully a couple of points with it. Yeah, agree a hundred percent. And I'll talk a little bit of strategy with Peter Hiku just briefly. So a couple of things to sort of look at as well with these guys. One, I've got um. I've got three, I'm banking on three 
rookie price guys in my centre wing and I already have Peter Hickey there outside of that. So I think a lot of people are going to be perilously close to Team List Tuesday is going to come and they're basically not going to be able to have the amount of rookies that they have in their centre wing if they want them all playing. So you really have to look at um, a bit of strategy with that. My um, my strategy is I'm going to have a... I'll probably cop enough in there or maybe somebody who I think is going to play down the track. Like I think I've said in our prior podcast, if Milne isn't named, I'm still going to have him there. But with Hiku, I kind of see him as the perfect guy to grab whatever centre wing is going to drop in price to a really juicy price over the first you know four to eight weeks of the season. Because the thing yeah. is, when, you, when you've got a guy that's priced at 280k, it's a lot easier to do a straight swap to somebody who was maybe a 450k center wing gun who's now dropped off, rather than trying to cash in your, your rookie cows and stuff, which just it means you've got to do those double trades. So I really actually like these mid-ranged cow types because I just feel like I can turn it over a lot quicker into someone that can give me better points. So I'm starting with a BJ Leilua, for instance. And that's a bit of a risk, I know, and we've spoken about that. But if he does start badly and you don't own a BJ Leilua type, you might be able to trade Peter Hiku to BJ for, say, a round six matchup that BJ might go well in and make money off that trade and actually have money to bank and get a better player out of it. So, you know, there's things like that. Um, a, a Tim Laffey might be another one. If he throws up a couple of stinkers early on or something, he might drop 150k because that's the sort of fluctuations that you get. So my plan with Peter Hickel at the moment is I see him as whatever centre wing starts off the season poorly that I think is a gun, that Peter Hickel is going to just get traded straight into that guy. Yeah, look, he's going to give you a minimum of 30 points a game. He's not the type of bloke that's going to give you 15 or 20, so you can get that fear factor out of your head. And just looking at all the figures for his last two years while you were talking then, as long as he averages one try every two games, he'll average 50 on the dot. Yeah, and that's pretty good. I mean, for a 31 guy, yeah. So I think Peter Hickey is a buy unless we are inundated with rookie price cows, in which case he'll be out of my side and I'll, I'll have like four rookie price cows and that's fine. But I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. So yeah, Sometimes you just got to take the name out of the equation just replace Peter Hickey with RTS and just say, look, the guy's underpriced by sort of 20 points. Just leave him in the team for six weeks, take the coin, then run. Yeah, exactly right. And that's really good advice. Take the names out and look at the numbers and it works out quite well. So, yeah, I'll do a bit of a player comparison before we finish off on Hiku. A few guys around the traps were talking about Jarvid Bowen and I'm really not big on Bowen because he's close to 360k and my other option to compare was Peter Hiku. And to me, they're both similar sort of players. I don't. Some guys seem to think that Bowen's um, got the potential to sort of score really well. Um, I sort of see them as pretty similar talent level, opportunity level. And one guy's two hundred seventy-nine thousand, the other guy's two hundred uh, three hundred fifty-six thousand. You know, that's eighty k swing. It's just a no-brainer, and that's sort of a good comparison. But let's move on because you know, looking at Peter Hiku is bad enough in your team, let alone talking about him for more than five minutes. So are you going to play on the right or left? I'm. Which side? So Carter's obviously got one one side locked down. I'm just trying to remember. I'm. I pretty. Yeah, I can't remember what side Carter's on. To be honest, I'm just trying to think if he's going to be playing right edge versus that Titans in the second round because I'll grab him, leave him as NPR first round, play him second round, and never play him ever again. That's the strategy. <laughs> I think <laughs> that might be a bit of homework for you, Billy, so we can move on because I can't remember. <laughs> All right, let's go. 
So let's let's move on now to a guy that's definitely a bit of a risky play, but another one that's sort of similar to Hiku in that he's priced quite well, and if he starts and has the opportunity, might be someone we want to have a look at. And that is Ignatius Parsi, who's recently got an injury, though, so I'm not sure how serious that injury is that he's got at the moment. So, yeah, Ignatius Parsi's stats are a bit all over the shop, but he's only 307,000 because he only averaged 35 points a game in 2017. And he only played 11 games, and he was sort of he's been in and out of first grade and, and stuff for a while now. Before he's 35, he had a 2016 career season where he averaged 47 points. That was in only 44 minutes a game, and that's a big key there. Before that, 39 points. So the thing that I'm looking at here, though, is his minutes, 38 in 2017, 44 in 2016. In those 44 minutes, he could pump out 47 points. He's in the running for one of those edge spots. And at the moment, it could be him and Manners on the edge, or even him and Tohu if Manners um, stays at 13, I should say. That's probably more likely. But if he's playing uh, even 60 minutes on an edge, he's huge value. Because, I mean, in 44 minutes in 2016, he pumped out a 47-point average, and that was in 24 games, so it's not like it's a small sample size. Price at 35... He should be a shoe in to get 55 points if he's playing 60 minutes based on his PPM. So the numbers actually all stack up really, really well for Parsi. I mean, he is a guy that can offload a bit and have a few TBs. And if he's on that edge, that's kind of nice. Other last selling point for you, Billy, he is dual position. So he's a front row forward, second row forward, which is a godsend because there's not very many of those guys. So I actually have Parsi in and out of my side, only because he's that 300k price range, and if he's starting and getting 60 plus minutes, that could be a gold mine as far as cash goes, and still give you some good points to start off the season. Yeah, agree, mate. I've had him in a couple of drafts on my team, but I keep pulling him out because I need the cash, and there's no guarantee of what he's actually going to get. But um, yeah, games over 50 minutes... There was only sort of four of them, so it's a very, very small sample size. Yep. But he's averaged 55 off 60 minutes. So if you can get 60, 60, if you can get 60 plus minutes playing um, that, that right edge off SJ, it's a, it's a much better team than the Titans. So hopefully it picks up from that 55 average. Bodine was playing, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Bodine was playing bigger, a lot bigger minutes, like 80 or something, wasn't he? Yeah. However, that doesn't take into account that Tohu's there now, so maybe Tohu gets 80 and the right edge gets rotated. Who knows? But um, look, if he can get 60 minutes and score you that 55 average, the fact that he's a dual. Look, a lot of people are going to play Latu in, in the front row and hope, and hope that at uh, 270k he's going to score sort of 50, 55 points, and you don't know if Wallace is going to come back or not. It might be it might be better to just to uh, uh, forget about Latu altogether and just play a black like this in the front row who, who's who's a uh, dual and it's going to give you that guarantee of fifty five points with a lot of potential upside if he actually plays more minutes. Yep, agree. And he's owned in one uh, percent of teams at the moment, so not many are talking about him or looking at him. And guys like Latu are definitely a good comparison because he seems to be more popular. Even a Jai Arrow is still on the radar for some for the same price point. To me, like a lot of the guys being spoken about and popular around that 300k mark, not necessarily the guys that I like the most at that mark. Um, I've got Fatala Mariner and Parsi as my two guys at 300k and 
they they both seem far better options, far far better options at making money and giving you points to start off the season than um, any of these other guys that are being thrown about in that you know two hundred seventy to three hundred thirty k price range. So I'm those are my two that I'm earmarking as as my guys that I'm going to be with, provided that Teamless Tuesday is obviously kind and they're starting and they're going to get their minutes. So. Yeah, I um I I really like Parsi if he's um gonna get in that role. Just one last thing before we get rid of the Warriors and move and move on. Yep. Who was playing um the super uh, super seven, super whatever, super nines, um, at the beginning of last year and was absolutely dominating. Yes. He was doing all, all trial all, all, all trials, he was doing a lot of short balls, he was he was scoring a lot, setting up a lot, he was he was um a lot of people had um, big wraps on him to start the season, and then he just really sort of didn't didn't get the minutes. So maybe this is the year that he that, that he carries that on. Yeah, I remember that, and he had a lot of hype then as well. And you're right; it was it was all about the minutes. So all he seems to need is those minutes, and um, and he could come through. So yeah, Ignatius Parsi, he's a he's a good under the radar one to grab and make some quick cash on. But like you said. Let's move on from the Warriors because I think everyone will want to move on from the Warriors after the first couple of months because I'm pretty sure they're going to be dreadful. And I'm also going to make another big call and say that their coach will not be Stephen Kearney halfway through that season. I reckon he'll be on the chopping block right from day one and I don't think he's going to last. So that's something else I've sort of taken into account. But we move on. We're going to talk about the Manly Sea Eagles now. I actually think the Sea Eagles might be a slow starter compared to how they went last season. That's just me. Do you see them playing as well as what they did last year, Billy, to kick off the year? They might go all right. They've got a they've got a decent draw. I've been uh, sneaking between the numbers trying to figure it out, and uh, we'll talk about them in a minute. But I found some surprising ones where they a lot of those key players actually don't perform better against that easier draw. So it'll be interesting to see who actually picks them and who doesn't. Oh, I was going to bring this up, that um, their draw doesn't mean as much as other teams, but you're already onto it. You're too good at the stats. So let me go through the ins and outs quickly. So Lachlan Croker over from the Raiders. Normally I'd say I wouldn't even mention him, but he's going to be the starter there, so he's a pretty big one. The other guys really, Joel Thompson from the Dragons is the only other real gain that they got in. Obvious salary cap pressure on the Manly Sea Eagles, so they didn't bring in very much at all. Their losses, Blake Green is a, a pretty big one, and I think that DCE is either going to completely sink and drown or, or swim and win a gold medal in trying to run that side by himself without Blake Green. Bretton Lawrence, you can say he's, he's not that big a lot. They really don't have much in the front row forwards stocks, so it's a pretty reasonable one to be losing. And other than that, it's um it's pretty funny that on the team list on their losses, they, they lose Brett Stewart, Nate Miles, and Steve Matai when those guys have barely played for them in recent memory. So it's like they're losing losing a few corpses and big contracts there, finally, the Eagles. They might be able to finally repair that stadium, mate, with all that salary cap freed up. Oh, that'll be good. You can only pay 20 bucks for a pie after they're done with that. All right, let's, um, <laughs> let's have a look at our, our first gun in the spotlight. Let's have a big talk about Jake. Oh, no, do you want to go Jake Trevojevic, Tom? I don't know which one to pick. Let's go. We'll start off with Jake. So let's talk yeah, a bit he's about the first Jake. One I got listed. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll I'll go out on a limb here and say I didn't own Jake at all last year, and I thought he was going to be good, but not as good as what he has been stats-wise. So looking at next season, 
he's he's somebody who I don't have in my team, but I have looked at a number of times. I went to try and fit him in my team, and then saw that he's six hundred fifty-one thousand, and it was just really difficult to do it. That's the only reason I don't have him. He did 73 points in 2017, one of the best forwards that you could have. Before that, he still did really well at 66 points a game. So he's certainly on the right trajectory. So Jake Trebojevic, 651k, second row forward only. He's not in my team, and I'm not going to look at him purely based on price and wanting to spread my second row forward stocks out. So I've got currently four absolute guns in my second row forward spots, and they are between... Five hundred and ten thousand and five hundred ninety thousand dollars in price range. So basically, having four or three was the difference between whether I had Jake Trevojevic or didn't have Jake Trevojevic, and that's why I did it. So um, that's where I'm at on him. I think he's an absolute gun, and I do like him. Is he in your team, Billy, at the moment? No way, Jose. I've had a, a couple of people talk to me about different angles as to why I should. Saying he's an attacking weapon, you set up two or three tries in the trials, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, look, he could come out and absolutely crush it, like everyone says. But, um, look, he's, he, he played 80 minutes in 66% of games last year. And in those games where he played 80 minutes, he actually averaged uh, 79. So six points above his actual season average. Yeah. He averaged 74. This is the stat I was talking about before. So you think he's got an easy run to start the year, but he only averaged 74 versus his first eight opponents this year off 75 minutes last year. And four and four times he actually scored a try in those games. So half half of his output, half of his try output last year and half of his attacking stats last year off pretty much playing maximum minutes per game versus those easier teams. He's he pretty much rolled on his average, so I don't see him actually doing any more. If anything, I reckon he probably regresses a little bit in the uh, earliest part of the season because the outside backs get more work, plus the fact that it's still summer early. He started the game, he finished the end of the year with 80-minute games, sort of seven or eight games in a row. It was the early part of the season last year where he played sort of a 70-minute game, a 66-minute game, then a 63-minute game. So it wasn't until sort of middle towards the end of last year where he really started to um, flourish. So for that reason, regardless of the fact that they've got a uh, an easier draw, I'm going to sort of um, stay away from him early, mate. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. And it's just, you don't really, I don't think you really want to pay for a 73 average for round one for Jake Trebojevic. I just don't think that you do. And I will raise one last point on Big Jakey. His minutes, I'm not 100% sure on because there's been the rumours around that maybe it's a four-forward bench. And um, if it is a four-forward bench, that might actually hurt him a little bit. And that puts Appy into the conversation as well for hookers because he'd be playing 80 minutes. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah, a... you'd rather, yeah, you'd rather Appy, wouldn't you? And the other thing I noticed uh, half an hour ago... Um, just before you called, I was having a look at some other numbers and his offload seemed to disappear. He only had one offload in the last seven games last year, but he actually had three tries to prop up his numbers and sort of hide, hide that fact. So yeah, go and have a look at his numbers. His offload seemed to disappear. I don't know why, whether the coach told him to put it away or... I think it's just how he rolls, mate. I'm telling you, I actually was having this convo with a mate of mine a couple of weeks ago and I was saying, you know who he reminds me of except with better attack. It reminds me a little bit about of uh, Sean Fensom in his heyday because um, Fensom yeah. actually had this 
happened to him a number of times and it ended up killing his super coach career in the end. He would have these spells of, like, he'd be great at offloading and then all of a sudden it'd just disappear. And you'd go, why is this guy just tackling and running? Where's his offload gone? And it, it was really frustrating. And then maybe two years later, when Sean Fenton basically burnt everybody and had his worst super coach year after being a gun for ages, it all came down to his offloads. He, he had like one offload in his first 17 games and it was just crazy. But that was always there. It was always potentially there. And with Jake Jarojevic, I've seen it as well. He'll, he'll go a few games without any offloads at all. So it's a little bit of a strange one, but his game does seem to fluctuate that way. And I, I don't love that very much. I really like my forwards to offload a lot. I think there's 130,000 super coaches that probably agree with you, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, we both agree that Jake Draboyevic is a bit expensive and worried a little bit about the bench as well. So we're going to hold off for round one. And we're both standing firm on that, which is good. We agree on one. Let's talk about the guy that we just mentioned, though, Appy Coruscant. So if there is a four-forward bench, he suddenly looks really appealing when you have a look at him as a great pod instead of a Smith or those mid-range guys like a Cook or Elisha. He actually looks pretty good. Yeah, not really too sure on Appy, mate. I grabbed him last year for the run home when we only had those dual bar games at the end, and yeah, he didn't really do too much for me. If he's kicking, then, yeah, it probably adds a little bit more interest to the equation. But where do you fit him in? I'm running a, I'm running a guy like um, Smith and Cook up the front. And if Cook doesn't go, I'll be running Smith and Havili probably. So I think the question is, like, who do you drop for him? And who would you drop out of your team to chuck him in at his price? Well, I think what it comes down to is it's going to be someone who doesn't want to pay for Smith, which is me. And somebody... <laughs> And also somebody who is maybe caught out on Teamless Tuesday where Elisha and um, also Damian Cook look a bit more worrying about their minutes. And you want to go for a guy that's going to give you points straight away, but you don't want to spend on Smith. So to me, there's Smith, there's Cook and Elisha, and then there's Coruscant behind those guys. I think they all give you something different. Coruscant is a cheaper option to Smith that can give you some good points and is a good pod. Smith is obviously the king that's owned by a lot of people and going to give you the, the top line points. And those other guys are the, the ones that are underpriced and could make a lot of money for you and give you decent points. So that's where I see Appy fitting in. Yeah, see, the thing is, Appy played some pretty decent minutes last year. 69 a game. So you probably need to factor in his... Um, let's have a look at his 80-minute games. Actually, no, let's have a look at his... So games over 70 minutes... He averaged 68. Yep. But uh, that was his, that's because he went pretty well in his 70-minute games. Games at 80 minutes, he only averaged 54. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't take, that, take those ones out. So you've got to have them all in. But um, yeah, was he kicking in any of those? A very, very quick look. He kicked no, here he and there, but kicking. I don't think he, he kicked he in any of those ones. He, he only had um, four conversion attempts last year, mate. Two misses and, and a goal. So... Playing 80 minutes, he had 58, 55. That was without a try and without kicking goals. So his season average is 58. So there's plenty of upside there. But I would, A, want him to be kicking and B, wanting to, wanting to see no one on that bench, mate. Oh, there's definitely... You can't have anyone on that bench that's going to spell him if you're going to start with him round one, for sure. And I, my, my whole appeal with him is if he goes from 69 minutes to 
80 minutes or close enough to 80 minutes when you take out injuries and stuff across the year. He's a mid-60s guy for me, probably. That's sort of what I'd be hoping for. He's going to maybe give yeah. you 64, 65 points, and those are going to be good points that I'm paying a little bit less for, and I'm getting them round one and not having to overpay for Cam Smith or pay more than what I can afford. And I think that's kind of where Appy fits in. So I don't think he's a bad option. He's definitely going to be a pod. It's just a matter of how you're going to have your hooker strategy for the rest of the year, and that's something to keep in mind. So um, let's let's move on to, to another gun, although Appy wasn't a gun, so I shouldn't say another gun, but Daily Cherry Evans. Now, I um, actually considered grabbing DCE because of all the extra responsibility and stuff. And I enjoyed him for some really good runs last year. He had some great runs last year. And I was actually kind of surprised when I looked at the numbers. I remembered he was averaging, you know, towards the mid-60s. He only averaged 62 last year, but that's decent enough. But I was surprised that that's the best that he's done. So in 2016, he only averaged 54 points a game. Across 19 games as well, so good sample. 61 points the year before and 59 points the year before that. So, you know, 62 points has been his highest output in his Supercoach career. And that's that's not great. I actually thought that he was um, a bit better than that. He is. He just fluctuates. I don't, I don't know whether it's... If he's one of those blokes you're going to have a love-hate relationship with because he, he doesn't seem to... He seems to string them together and then give you a ridiculously low score for a couple of weeks and then string a couple together then then gives you a 20 enough to make you want to punch him in the mouth so <laughs> he's um i don't know how was he kicking in any of those i'm just checking really really quickly mate. he um, definitely did kick in some of them not many but he did kick some yeah there were only sort of four games and yeah so it added sort of four points eight points eight points 14 points so it added a little bit to Prop up. Uh, one of those was a thirty game where he scored, scored fourteen points in goals. He scored thirty two overall. <laughs> there you go. I remember that game. So, yeah. So terrible. It really was. I think I VC'd him and I was just absolutely gutted. I thought it was going to be great. So I guess the kicking is one thing to bring up. He um, I, he could probably add eight points in kicking to oh, look thirty two. <laughs> no, not to thirty-two. Let's look at his. Let's look at his season average, mate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. look, he's probably got two points out of that sixty-two, rounding up on goal kicking last year. He's probably a sixty average guy that should go to sixty-eight points, all things considered, if he's goal kicking. So that's where I see the upside with him. And also, you know, that draw. I don't actually think Newcastle and Power are going to be pushovers to start with for Manly. Souths maybe a little bit more. It's really that. Round four, five, and six, it's Canberra, Titans, and West Tigers. I think that's a golden run for the Eagles, and DC could really carve up there, especially if he's kicking. And that was what was making me to keep look at him, looking at him to maybe put him in my side. The reason I didn't, um, I think it's intriguing. He's going to be very low-owned, but the thing that held me back was I initially thought to myself I was going to drop JT out, and it was like I was on, you know, 2015 values. I'm going to drop JT out and put DCE in, hope for similar points and use that 50 or 60k somewhere else. And then when I went to actually do it, I realised, hang on, DCE costs more money than what Jonathan Thurston does. And at that point, I just dropped it and just went, oh, there's no way I want to go near DCE. I'll just stick with JT. Um, and I think that's the problem. He's a halfback only. So you can't pick him anywhere else, and there's just too many other halfbacks for 548k in spend that you'd probably want to go probably for. 
Yeah, that's probably the reason why not many people are going to own him. If you go back to 2016, pretty much every single one of his scores was under 60 points apart from one. He had that 130-point game against Canberra right at the end. And last and last year, even though he went on a run in the middle where he had 97, 95, 75, 83, a decent type of run in the middle, yep. not one of those scores was like a massive ton. And the fact that he scores a 21 or... 20, between a twenty and a thirty here and there, he's not the type you could. He's not the type of bloke you could ever captain with confidence, and he's not the type of bloke you could ever VC because, apart from that one score last year, you're not going to get a score over one thirty, one twenty, one thirty, which is good enough to actually um, loop him with. So, for that reason, and the fact that, like you said, you can get JT in the seventh, no, you, you got to neck the bloke. Yep, I agree. It's going to take a while though. He's got a pretty massive neck. <laughs> but I will. You made, you made a joke, Ramsey. Oh, look, I'm I'm multi-talented. I'll I'll throw two other factors in though that I did think about when I was trying to convince myself to put him in. One of them was he does play round thirteen, so that's a small bonus. The other though, which is more of a non-stats, more watching footy type of scenario, he's now got no Blake Green. He's you know the gazillion dollar contract man which he's copped a lot about and he's basically the guy that has to take the reins this year Blake Green did a lot of stuff last year that took away from DCE he was doing a lot of the kicking he was doing a lot of those little grubbers in goal to getting the repeat sets and stuff and he was demanding some ball over that side Lachlan Croker I don't think he's going to demand very much he's certainly going to be very timid the first couple of months while he's just trying to keep his spot so DCE is going to have a lot more responsibility and He's got the talent, and that's one of the things that annoyed me last year when I owned him, and even in the past before when I've owned him sporadically. He, um, he's right there in the cusp, on the cusp of real good super cage points, and he just doesn't go through with it, or he just backs off and doesn't get involved. He doesn't call for the ball for a few sets in a row. You know, it, it was really maddening watching it because he's just sitting there, and he should have been getting the ball. I was thinking to myself, he might just have one of those seasons where he grabs it grabs it by the throat and just says, right, I'm demanding the ball, I'm going to run this team, and he just has the ball in his hands all the time. And that was one thing that I was a bit scared about as far as not having him and maybe a JT or something starting off a bit slow and a lot of people owning him. Yeah, like you said before, um, at the beginning of this point, if there's one bloke that you're scared of not starting at the beginning of this year, who's it going to be? Is it going to be DTE or is it going to be SJ? Yeah, that really good comparison. It's going to be SJ. So let's move on from DCE. <laughs> All right. So another guy that was a gun but really dropped off was Martin Tapau, or we'll call him Kapow. Now, he... No, no, just call him Peanut. You know he's going to be suspended within six rounds. Well, there's that as well. So Peanut Kapow sounds good. Don't so... tell him I said that. So um, we've only got a couple more guys to talk about on Manly, but he was one that I wanted to hit on before we wrap up. He yeah. he had some – he just had that run where he was just offloading at will and it was just crazy, and that's where all his value came from. He was crazy, crazy offloads with his stats, but the problem was he was always a chance at three penalties in a game and also a chance at getting suspended or hurt. And he was one of those guys that stayed down all the time as well, so it wasn't great to watch at times. But, I mean, for you, did you own him at all last year? Do you remember the pain of trying to watch him during some of those spells? 
I sure did. I don't think I beat you last year, Barnsley. I had all the goods. Yep, you got so him I, at right um, the right time. No, I started with him. Actually, no, I lie. It was the year before I started with him. I didn't start with him last year. Sorry, I'm telling you, porky pies. Let me I tell you the stats. Let me tell you the stats from that year that you got him, though. You you got him in 2016 when you owned him. You you smashed that year because you got him and he averaged 65 points, which was his high. He was 49 points the year before, so you completely nailed that year. I mean, 2017, he ended up only averaging 52 points, and that was pretty hard to do because he went through a spell where he was averaging about 68, which shows you the drop-off yeah. he had. And you've got to give props here to some very, very clever coaches. I'm going to call them out here. But Dean and Mr. Pilgrim picked this one very, very early. One of the things Dean said very quietly was, um, guys, have a look at um, Manley's hit-up rate. You'll notice that at every fourth tackle, it goes to to power, and he's, he's turning and offloading every single fourth tackle, and he was right on the money. I don't know whether it was a strategy of theirs to, to do a second-phase play right at the end of the set, but that's where to power's offloads came from. So if you look at his, um, so his minutes were, where was it? His 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 average seventy two off sixty sixty fixed minutes off sixty fifty six minutes per game up until around sixteen. That's when he had that crazy offload, and then two things happened to him. A after round sixteen, his offload pretty much disappeared, and his minutes per game went down to um, forty eight uh, forty eight, and that's when Lusick started appearing too. So. If you read Cat Fisher's Cat Fisher's article on that awesome NRL talk site, yep, you will see that yeah, a uh, between the powers um, offload disappearing and Lust Lussick appearing, what he called the peanut, all of a sudden became an absolute no go zone. Oh yeah, and look, there was I got him when a few of those smart coaches called it out, and um, I really enjoyed having him. I did not enjoy the free fall that came after. I sold him pretty quickly actually because I was always worried about him anyway. So. It was actually a pretty good time to get him, but those minutes are the big concern. And I would actually say that this guy is actually a um, an error for anyone that's going to put him in the round one side. I think he's a bit of a smoky to to really kill a few coaches early. Manly have that if Manly have that four forward bench, which it looks like that they will, that spells disaster for Martin to at five hundred seventy six thousand nine hundred dollars to start in your front row forward position. That is wasted money. He'll be you know, four hundred and twenty k in six weeks. He'll um he'll drop yeah. he'll drop real fast. And he missed round two and three last year, so I'm assuming that was from suspension. I think he might have been hurt. It's look, it's you, you, it doesn't matter. You can spin, you can throw a coin up in the air, and it's either going to be suspension or being hurt. He does it a lot. But I mean, his minutes. You mentioned he went down to forty eight minutes. You know, he might stay at forty eight minutes. The guy's price at fifty two. I mean, he might even get less than forty eight. I mean. He's probably he's probably around a forty eight minute player, I think. The guy, I mean he could play sixties. He can physically do sixties. And when he did sixty five minutes a game in twenty sixteen, he averaged sixty one. And that's kind of a bit of the numbers check that I wanted to give with you to talk about because it's a bit of a weird one. He's a really interesting one to look on paper because in twenty seventeen he had that uh fifty two minutes a game and he averaged in the sixties. And I think I made a mistake with that earlier. I was referring to minutes, not points, when I mentioned that earlier. And then in 2016, he averaged 65 minutes, which is easily his career high, but he still only managed to throw out a 61-point average. So he actually regressed with the extra minutes. And you can tell by watching those games why. He's certainly one of those guys that could get towards 60 minutes, but when he does, he 
is definitely tired and he definitely can't make as much impact as what he normally does in those shorter minutes. And I think that the Barrett realised that as well. I mean, that's better for Manly because he's better playing 48 to 50 minutes than what he is, you know, 60 minutes plus. But it's not good for super coaches. Yeah, look, his best scores come when he plays sort of 58 to 60 minutes. So, but that's when he's offloading. So, if he's got, you really, um, your strategy here is you really want to make sure this guy is playing a minimum of 55 minutes and offloading. And if he, if he is, then he's the bloke you want in your team. So, but I'm not sure you're going to get a chance to watch that between now and uh, round one. So, it's probably just a, yeah, look at the bench and if there's four forwards and just give it a miss type approach, I think. Yeah, he's a real frustrating one. I'd be steering way clear of Martin Tapao, but I'll have him on my watch list though for um even for as early as round five, I'll be watching for a possible trade in with front row forward stocks low. If I got a guy to trade out and I really and he's looking pretty good, Gold Coast Titans round five and then West Tigers in round six he could go well for. But otherwise, um with front row forward quite low in who's eligible there that's going to be good. If he's travelling well mid-season, for me, I think that the best strategy for everyone is to have a look at him for that round 13 buy which he plays. I think that's where he's going to be the most valuable. Yeah, I think he's a bit too hit and miss. I'm just going to miss him the entire season. I think I think what I'll do is just start with um, Sergis and Parsi, if he's named on that right edge, and then ride Parsi all the way out to that first buy, then get Fafita for that um, middle run where he starts averaging over 70, between 70 and 80. Yeah, I agree. Those are all guys that I love, and you know that we've spoken about it a bit. Um, I guess um, it's if you're going to have three forward guns in that front row forward position, it starts to become a little bit thin. But yeah, no, I get your point for sure. Not having him, so let's move on from Tapao because he's really frustrating. Is there any guys that you kind of see as a bit of a big balls pod that might be of interest? Yeah, for new. Blake has been thrown around a bit. If he gets that front row spot with um, Lussick out, that could be a bit interesting because he's got some point per minute there. Um, that was that was just a name thrown out by some of the boys recently. Yep. Pasika could end up getting a um, a, um, a bench spot, although I, with four forwards on the bench, I can't see him getting much minutes to increase his price. Like he's he's a very very highly rated rookie coming through, but then he's he's got a monster frame apparently, but. You've seen what happens with um, Broncos and, and, and Storm big boppers on the bench. They, they, they sort of get 10, 15-minute cameos, so I can't see um, Manly doing anything different, so I kind of stay away from from um, Manly bench. So I think the only interest for me is probably Turbo down the track and looking at maybe Fenua Blake if I struggle for third or fourth prop. Yeah, I... I think I've looked at Fenua Blake too, and the thing with him is I was quite impressed with um, a lot of the comments that Barrett said. Barrett made a few comments that um, he's got the most talent out of their middle forwards, which isn't it can't possibly be true because obviously um, Jake Travojevic is there. But I, he was he was going out of his way basically to give Fenua Blake raps and to say how talented he is, and he's going to realise that talent soon, and basically we're all going to realise how good he is. So I mean I think that he's going to give him meaningful enough minutes, but the minutes rotation of that whole pack, I'm not going to go near that problem. I don't want headaches to start with because I'll get given headaches through injuries and suspensions and everything else. Super coach throws at you. I don't want to make problems for myself by going there. So I'm um, yeah, I'm not, not yeah I'm just not interested there. But um, Lachlan Croker is an obvious one. We're not going to talk about him because if you don't have him, 
you really should unless you're, I guess, stacking the halves and you really have a sound strategy to do that because he's going to make a lot of money starting there. The last guy that will finish on, though, is their best player, and that is Tommy Turbo. So Turbo is a big conundrum for me, I mean, probably for a lot of coaches because he's fullback only. You can't have him in centre wing like we've been able to do with him in prior years, which is the death knell for him being in my team. Yeah, it's... Could be the death knell on my season really early if he starts strong. But he's he's competing with a, a Teddy to go into your starting fullback spot. And I've chosen Teddy because he's cheaper. And then you have to miss out on a Kalen Ponga who could potentially be a real star and really undervalued and give you points and he's a goal kicker. So and that's without, you know, talking about guys like, you know, Billy Slater who had an amazing season last year and RTS if you think he's gonna come back and all these other cheaper options. So He's in a real crowded position, and I'd love to have him because he just accumulates stats like nothing else. You know, you watch him, and he's exciting to watch because he has those runs that he makes where he'll have a heap of tackle breaks, and then he'll make a line break, and then he'll throw a try assist, and he just scores all these points in about 15 seconds. So I really want him, but he is just way too expensive for me. Um, But I'm pretty sure you've got him in your side, don't you, Billy? Nope. Oh, you've cut him. I need to hear why. No, 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 no. He, oh, he, was, he was never really in there. I, I mocked around about two weeks ago when someone said that Manly had an awesome draw. And I thought, oh, how'd that one get past me? I mustn't have looked close enough. I, I looked at Turbo briefly at the beginning of the season and thought, the guy is absolutely priced. He's peaked. There's no way in hell he's scoring more than that. So I didn't even look at him. And then someone mentioned um, Manly's draw. I thought, oh, all right, I'll have a look. But I'm really not keen on on punching um, Watson or Ponga for that um, last spot because it really needs... You, you've got to have some cheapies, and when they, when they turn up, you've got to have them. But anyway, I chucked him in there just just to have a look and see what he looked like, and then I had a look at the numbers about an hour ago, and long story cut very, very, very short. He only averaged 71 versus these first eight teams this year. So those were the teams where he scored his three tons from last year, 102 versus South, 119 versus South, and 131 versus the Tigers. But he had some very low scores there too. He only scored 17 versus the Knights, 46 versus the Tigers, and 34 versus the Eels. So, oh, and 48 versus um, Canberra. So Yeah. That just because someone has an easy run that they're going to score a ton every game. I think that's a classic example of, uh, like Pilgrim says, um, just just play the player. Don't play the don't don't play the entire season in front of him because it's not always true. Yeah, um, and I agree to a point as well with that. Um, not I'm a big draw man. I really like looking at the draws, and I put a fair bit of stock into it. The problem is that yeah, you can only put some stock into it, and I always like to say that. It, it's it's one of it's an indicator, but it's one of several indicators, and you want to check that you've got several indicators before you make a call on spending six hundred seventy-seven thousand. And well, I think with Manly, they're a really good outlier example where Turbo's not the only one. DCE and some of their other good players from last year, they just did not perform in the games that they were meant to. And Turbo really burnt me doing that. You know, you you mentioned he scored you know forties against the Tigers and seventeen against the Knights and stuff. You know, a lot of people captain him for that 17 against the Knights because he was meant to score 100 points, and he didn't do it. So I, I kind of dismiss Manly's draw a little bit with Turbo, just a little bit, but you know they really bucked that trend completely last year. 
and 76 points, like you said, like that's, I'd love 76 points in my side round one, but like you've put very eloquently in some of our prior pod discussions, it's all about the best value when you're starting your round one side and the best bang for your buck. And uh, Turbo's going to give you the bang. He's going to give you good points. But for the amount of money that you're paying, you know, do you want to get you know, 72 points a game off Tedesco for 599000 or do you want to get 72 points a game off Turbo for 677000 you know, it's it, Even if you... Even if he scores more, do you really think the guy's going to average 86? That's, imp- that's impossible. <laughs> He's not going to average 86, dude. So nah, no for way. us, the 76 is one of the guys. It's it's probably less risky just to go, I'm not going to buy him. I'm going to get Teddy. I'll get a cash maker in Croker or Watson instead. And you know what? If you want 76 points a game, just, just buy Gallon. Because <laughs> you know he's going to be there punching that average every game. Yeah, exactly, mate. I agree 100%. And it's just going to be one of those cases where I think you're going to get ahead by not having him and buying him a bit later because a lot of a lot of coaches actually are probably going to have him, even at his price. Um, relative to that price, his ownership is going to be reasonable. So I think he's the wrong guy to be buying. And I think later on I will. But I tell you what, I'll, I'll make one big call before we sign off for the night. I don't know if I will own Turbo all year. And I, really? I feel really funny saying that, but um, I, I I believe that Teddy could have a massive year, so that's one fullback spot. And some people are going to say it's crazy, but I really believe that Kalen Ponga could be right up there. And all of his stats and numbers and stuff that we spoke about, they project for him to be like a 70-point-plus player. So, yeah. I mean, if that all happens, I, I can see myself just not seeing the need. Like, I'm not going to trade out a Teddy and Ponga combo which is, you know, averaging combined, you know, 70 points each or something, to get another guy that's averaging the same and doing the same things. It just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a tough one, and it's one of the good things about the DPP uh, reduction that's happened this year. There's going to be some different teams coming in because there's going to be guys in that position. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head there, mate. I'm not even sure I'll own Ponga and all myself because I can't, I can't afford the bugger. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I, I think he's he's a type of bloke who could score pretty well. So, there's, it, even going as far as mentioning guys like uh, like um, no, Dufty, he, he could he could he could absolutely kill it and become a freak there too. RTS could come back and start punching those scores again. So you got your mate your mate Gutherson as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he'll he'll be available at five eight though. So there could quite conceivably conceivably be you know three or four guys punching above their weight in, in the fullback position only that you really, really got to go, all right, so uh, which two do I choose? Yep, agree. So Turbo can't, I think me and Billy both agree, you can't discourage anyone from having him, but you really got to plan ahead and think about what you want your fullback looking like and whether you ever want to own Kalen Ponga during the season. And if you don't have Teddy, what are you doing? You should be getting him instead of Turbo. So on that note, I think we're going to finish up. Um, Billy, as always, thanks very much, champion. You've been a beast tonight once again. Thanks, mate. It's always good to uh, talk super coach with someone that can go to sleep in, uh, in peace now. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you good night, Billy. And to everyone else, we are on SoundCloud. Follow me, Barnsley, on SoundCloud and download us. A few iTunes issues, but we'll be on iTunes real shortly. Thanks for all the feedback and support, and we'll be back again shortly with some, a few more episodes to come for our team roundup. Thanks a lot. Yeah.